This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kine. I'm Doug Wilson, and I've been in technology delivery for more than 35 years. I think that, that my realization was I actually personally shifted from a, being a very command and control, I'm an ex, ex-submariner, a command and control leader, to one that spent more time empowering and marketing my team versus managing them. Hi, I'm Matt Smith. I am a, an executive digital transformation, um, an enterprise architecture expert, and I focus on driving IT and product development organizations that are highly focused on continuous development and delivery. This is a continuing episode of a series, Once Upon a Time, the story of a large digital satellite and entertainment provider's transformation. Glue the two pieces together, IT and business, and you turned a, I don't know what this would be called, uh, you turned a cost center into a profit center. We did. And, and you know, it, it, we never got 100% to where we wanted to be because we did a lot of things that were related to building an effective capacity-based delivery model, but we didn't get to the point where we we're funding the capacity. But fortunately enough, the way that this organization funded their work is they funded everything for the year at the beginning of the year. And typically we, we kept it. It didn't cycle every quarter where you remove funding. We were actually able to translate our project funding into a capacity model. And unfortunately, what we found out is, is that we staffed a 70% of that spend. And, and in the first year, we delivered 110% of the ask with 70% of the budget. Wow. I, you know, it's funny, Lance, the, the, the numbers are... They're staggering. They're awesome. They're really cool. But there was a challenge behind that. And I think that's one of the key things that behind this entire, you know, now that we're calling a, a transformation in this area, was the CIO team laid down a, uh, a very tough uh, and what we had thought at the time was an unattainable goal. And it was to get 50% faster, 50% cheaper in five years. And Doug, the results were staggering. Again, not predictable. Didn't see this one coming, but I think Doug's probably got this number tattooed on his mind. I think I hope he does. What were the results, do you recall? 50% cheaper, 50% faster in 18 months. <laughs> yeah. but, but not only that, not only that, we, we, uh, we went to the point where we're actually delivering more than daily into production. And we went from an organization with hundreds of critical and high defects in production with every release to an organization that, that deployed to, to UAT, let alone production, 510 re- releases into UAT, and they all went into production. But we didn't have any higher critical defects in UAT or production in those yeah. 510 deliveries. And so, so thinking about the governments, the clearing that has to happen. So you, you talk about an evolved organization where <laughs> you have the technologies in place, uh, you know, you, you're, you're able to have a modular environment where you can actually do this type of work. You've been able to create the teams, the forming, the structures to do it. The people are skilled enough to do it. All these things happen. And then this was the biggest, I think, the, the, the most bravest thing that had to happen is you've got to turn it over to the people to actually do the stuff that you created the environments for. And, you know, and Doug says that, you know, they were releasing more than once a day. I, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest with you. As the director in that organization, I would come in in the morning and went, okay, what did you guys release yesterday as opposed to, 
I approve what you're going to go do next. So I had to get the heck out of the way. We both did, actually, because these people started to actually take over. They were having ideas on their way into work that morning, calling in and making these changes, you know, um, in the same day and pushing that stuff out. But there's a there's a story behind that, too. you got to have the right people in place to do that. And, 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 right, and there was some some turnover internally within staff, uh, which was appropriate for what we're trying to do. But there also was a shift in wh- who we had as far as assigned from our partner. And, and and I don't care what name you put on the partner; it's about the people that they they provide, not necessarily the name on the wall. But also, there, there's a, a key aspect of what we did when it comes to empowering. You know, when we joined this organization, it's an organization where. Most of the IT team members had more than 20 years with the company. People didn't leave. People have already, had been very successful, and to be honest with you, they had become quite wealthy doing what they do. Hmm. So the appetite for change wasn't fully understood until we showed the results. So there was a bit of resistance. Nobody wanted to have their name in this organization for the first year of my my tenure there, and it became where everybody else was trying to put their name on the organization, which was, was awesome. It created a pull for what we're doing, but you can also see the challenges it created when we first started doing the work. We had a customer that didn't trust us in our business client. So we had to break those barriers down. So when we designed how we were going to work, it wasn't IT putting together a plan and presenting it. It was locking everybody in a room and coming up with a plan. Now, you know, I had an idea what the, what I was hoping to accomplish and how did, how, you know, the way we accomplished it was in conversation, translating what they were asking for to basically the model that we were trying to strive for. And, and it was really successful. And, and, and the business, I think that the, the business engagement was crucial. And I think it's beyond crucial. I don't think we could have done anything that we planned to do if we didn't engage the business fully. And part of the engagement was empowerment. It's not just empowerment of the business. You know, instead of having the SVP make all the decisions, because at one time that's what happened. The SVP and the business made all the decisions. They empowered their people down at the working level. And, and we also empowered our people at the working level. When you think about this, you're trying to implement DevOps and, and uh, automation tools, a lot of the, the policies within the organization had to change because all tools had to be approved at the, the VP level and go through all, uh, all sorts of scrutinization. But we wanted the, the tech leads on each one of these, in each one of these uh, product su- uh, suites to make decisions about the tools they can use because we were using some open source tools and, and, you know, within our development environments and the tools change all the time. So we wanted to empower them to make those changes to continue to improve the throughput and the efficiency of delivery. So I, I, I can take a step back, if you don't mind. I want to talk a little bit about the organization and a little bit about yeah. the time. You know, we're talking 2015. And if you, if you think back, it was 2015 was the point where majority of purchase decisions were not only influenced, but they were made by millennials. And when I started, my staff was all baby boomers. Mm. And when when we ended, you, we look back and say, oh, they're almost all millennials. And having that tie-in between the way that your team thinks and the way that that customer base thinks is really important. And taking advantage of their thought process and their ideation in the product and the decisions about what we deliver was a crucial aspect of our success. Uh, so the uh, so your product in the market was targeted most or is mostly purchased by millennials. And having millennials in making business business decisions helped a lot. The emergent products were influenced primarily by millennials. If you think about it, the legacy products, being the satellite TV, those were more influenced by their parents. 
Right. So think about it. We were kind of at a, at a point, uh, a, really a, a turning point in the industry. It's not only a turning point in technology, which is driving better, more efficient, effective, lower cost methods of distribution, but also a, a shift in who's making the decisions about what we buy. Ace is an agile consultant who shares space with a coffee shop in order to save on the rent. Meet this hard-boiled agile consultant and follow his adventures on helping his clients become agile no matter the circumstance. Scrum Noir, the project management comic book that teaches you agile, is available on Amazon. Just search for Scrum Noir. N-O-I-R. Check out the show notes. In there, you will find a link to the article from CIO Magazine that mentions Doug and Matt Smith. What are show notes? Show notes are right there in your podcast player, if that's what you use. If you downloaded this from a website, though, you have to go back to that website where you got the MP3, and in that website, you will see show notes there. And there will be links there related to this content for your easy access. Next episode, more Matt and Doug. I was hired because of a failure the previous year. And I was interviewed, um, in fact, I was living in Amsterdam and I was flown to New York to interview with the business leaders oh. before I even interviewed with the IT leaders. Oh, there we are. So they, they flew me from Amsterdam to New York. I flew from New York to California and then back to Amsterdam. And they were completely bought into the decision to make some changes in the organization. And they were really bought into the so what of what we were trying to do. And the challenge was trying to convince them of, of how giving more flexibility and to the people on the floor to make decisions would drive toward what they were getting to.